I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and I'm joined this week once again by Chris and Stu from Hardcore Listing. How are you, fellas? Hello. Hello. Oh, man. Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. Good, good. Welcome back. You guys are my first ever repeat guests. There you go. That's oh, a, really? Yeah, first, first We're time. We're honoured. Did you not learn from the first one? There's a lot to dig into one? with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'll try and I wanted to do a better job second time round. That's, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. Or is it that you've had a lot of very deep and highbrow conversations over the last year and just needed a couple of idiots that just talk shit? A bit of, com- <laughs> bit of comic relief, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's what we needed, yeah. yeah. So um, I suppose, yeah, I better... Uh, add a bit of context for anyone that is is listening to yes. why we're doing this mashup but it's november which is uh, men's mental health awareness month and somewhere in november i can't quite remember the date is international men's day too so i wanted to kind of mark that in some way and do something a little bit um i suppose something a bit blokey really mm. and rather than just do a standard interview episode to maybe more demonstrate blokes just having a chat about maybe some mental health stuff or some other stuff because that's the kind of stuff that men always get told that they can't do but I think that men can you know I think that's a bit of a a myth really um so yeah I got in touch with you guys uh mainly because I don't have a budget at all for this but also (laughs) because um the top five format that you use for hardcore listings I think is such a interesting way of opening up different lines of mm. communication. There's so many times I've listened mm. to you guys and there's something I thought was going to be maybe a bit daft and it's ended up being quite serious, but in a really lovely way. And the opposite of that is true in a lovely way um, as well. So, I mean, I suppose that's a, a, before we get into it, that's a good place to start. But have you, were you surprised once you started getting into this podcasting lark, how these top fives opened up like different areas of conversation? Uh, I guess I, we didn't have a huge expectation, Tom, and I, I, I uh, well, I didn't. I don't speak on behalf of Stuart. I, like the idea was to have a deep dive, and for it to not be very like uh, originally, like you know, a deep dive into someone's passion into, into their top five. So it wasn't so clickbaity like you'd find on like you know one of these things that you scroll past on Facebook. Uh, but it changed in so many different ways. Like in sometimes it's quite deep. In other ways, it's frivolous and stupid. Um, but I, I guess what I was quite surprised at is how quickly we can go from frivolous and stupid into something really intense, and how it feels kind of effortless with it. And I guess that's because we don't 
we don't have a massive agenda with our the people that you know that we're t- we're chatting to. So we're not trying to dig anything out of them, and I think we're quite laid back. And I think in that way, conversation if if everyone feels comfortable, com- people tend to open up more anyway. And I think the fact that we can. I think levity is really important and I think the fact that we can because we're hysterical and really witty and funny um, I think that's what gets our guests to open up a little bit and that there's that levity there obviously we're not we're none of those things we're stupid but it tends to work so yeah that's what I'd say I was surprised at how quickly we can go between deep and stupid quite quickly yeah. Stu what, what's your thoughts mate yeah it, it pretty much echo what you've just said to be honest Chris like I think um, when we set it up you know, the podcast was, was born out of uh, a, a couple of appearances on Scroobius Pip's Drunk Cast, uh, and we decided we'd have a crack at it ourselves. And I think because Pip's audience knew who we were through them episodes, and but all they were getting was the sort of drunk versions of us, when we set out to do our college, didn't, you know, the, the jingle that we still have today, you know, we'll say it's a drunken oh, yeah. soiree at the Whiff Inn, which is the, the little bar shed I've got at the end of my garden. Mm. Um, and and we were drinking in those early episodes. We were talking to you before we pressed record, Tom, about one of the ones that we done early on that never come out because it was just so such a mess. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and and I think what happened was I think as as the podcast sort of grew, um, we knew that we couldn't sustain getting drunk every week uh, just to have a conversation and. No. And, and liver disease, <laughs> and, and yeah, and uh, and and thankfully, yeah, we're still alive five years down the line, and uh, and um, yeah, and just uh, uh, the possibilities of top fives are endless, and it and it's not too taxing on the guests, and it's not too taxing on the preparation our side as well. It's it's pretty, you know, what Chris and I think of our friendship has really grown through the podcast, and oh, for sure. and we understand each other a lot better than we did to the point where we know that even if we've just got five little notes in front of us, we can talk for hours about that and, and we can kind of set each other up for little jokes because yeah. we know j- just through repetition and time spent doing this that we we kind of know how each other works. So it's, it's mm. been really nice on, on, on that side of things as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just going to, because we made such a fuss over clapping for that audio, I haven't recorded the video, so give me a second. <laughs> There we go. Right, that's better. So, yeah, that was a great way to start, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, no one can watch it, but there you go. <laughs> well, hello, video people. We've just started. Hi, gang, you missed five minutes. Yeah, the best five minutes of the whole thing. Tough shit. Yeah. We've just put all our clothes back on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's really interesting to me, actually, because, like, there is this thing about men not being able to talk about mental health. And I do think that's that's not quite true you know I think sometimes men lack the vocabulary or the safe spaces mm. or the people to talk to but also it's it's not necessarily men are going to sit down and maybe get straight into it off the bat but quite often they will segue into it off a something else off a chat about their favorite tv show or their favorite band or something like that that, that I think that's a it's a, like a real it just demonstrates that yeah that maybe men are better at talking about this stuff than we give them credit for and maybe constantly telling men that they don't talk is sort of doing them a disservice really yeah I, I think maybe we've spoken on, on previous podcasts like, like our friendship groups um, we're all right at talking about mental health now I'm really fortunate for that I'm not saying that was always the case 
but I also think that thing about vocabulary is really interesting, Tom, because it's really difficult to articulate your, your feelings sometimes. And actually music, like what this top five is going to be about, is sometimes a way of, you know, even it doesn't even mean that the lyrics of a song need to absolutely nail on how you're feeling. But if the emotion in that is, is resonating with you, uh, a frustration or a misery or a sadness or whatever, then does it, the words don't need to perfectly align to your circumstances for you to interpret in a way that helps you deal with the pain that you're 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 going through. Uh, yeah. So yeah, vocabulary is a is an interesting one. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't always know how to express how I'm feeling to my partner or my mates. Um, but I can let them know I've, I'm feeling down. I don't have a problem with that as much. Mm. Yeah, I suppose getting these the, days. getting the ball rolling is the, the hardest thing, right? Starting that, yeah. that conversation. So anyway, that takes us nicely. What type top five mm. are you guys going to do with me today? Well, this is this is interesting about planning and preparation because when we've discussed this, we're going to do top five uh, like songs about mental health or songs that we've used in and around mental health. Um, now. In terms of order and structure, this could be quite chaotic, Tom, because I don't think me and Shu have got an agreed top five here, do we? No. <laughs> so, like, I'm I've not got going for limp biscuit break stuff. So, uh... <laughs> well, I've got, I've just got that five times. <laughs> there you go, job done. That's actually really interesting because um, I, yeah, I, we have listed. I've got a bunch. Yeah, got a load of stuff to talk mm. about. Eh? Mm. It's, it, it was interesting for me going into this conversation. I think because mm. I know you guys a little bit mm. as well. But normally, mm. I'm um, a, my way of kind of trying to manage my anxiety and something that I'm trying to get better at. It, it, so I don't necessarily feel anxious. My behaviour takes over, and I try and control all the controllables. Right? I'm an overthinker. Mm. I'm a planner. I'm a control freak. I make notes on everything. And I can sometimes with my podcast, I'd be a little bit overprepared even, you know, which mm. sometimes tanks an episode, I feel. But um, <laughs> so it was really good practice for me to go into this today because we swapped a couple of emails. We didn't really make much of a plan. I haven't written a single thing <laughs> down. And that's that's unheard of for me. So <laughs> this is actually really good. My therapist is going to be patting me on the back next time I see yeah, her. So, so it's actually really good. just allowed a chaos to happen. Exactly. But I guess as well with that, mate, is I know what you mean. Like if you're when you over prep for something as well, you, you can you can you, you know you're so desperate to get something in or make a point that you've you've read like you might not really be 100 percent i've done this where i'm not 100 percent engaged with the other person or you know i want it to go a certain way i've done it i've been on quite a lot of podcasts recently about film and i have like ridiculously over prepared for them like i did one um about the crow uh uh uh, just films and that shout out to Josh and Alex it was fucking excellent but I had so much to write and even after the podcast and I bored them to tears for like well over an hour and I was saying to Molly oh, I missed this I missed that it's like hold on didn't you enjoy it I was like yeah so just relax you didn't get to say everything you wanted to say but it's fine um, so, so Stu in terms of this mate what, what do you want to do should we just like alternate between songs and stuff like that because well, yeah. how I've done it is just I've, I've got a bunch of songs that I either have a meaning specifically geared towards mental health or uh, songs that I've used as a means to process my own mental health. Um, I don't know about you, mate. I don't know how you've sort of like... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, I should say um, uh, that as as this is a a mash-up podcast, it seems crazy not to, um, for me to release this to the 
uh, off the beaten track mm. uh, audience because the second question I always ask all my guests is what was the first song that affected you emotionally? And and that is the, the question that however tough it is getting a guest to relax, that's the question that opens the floodgates, that opens the conversation up. Uh, and, and so... Is it always, don't they, it doesn't every guest always answer the same, Vengabus? Yes, yes. And and yeah. we all have a laugh and then it just breaks the ice and uh, <laughs> and then we just discuss the other chart hits of uh, of seminal pop act, the Venga Boys. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, you know, m- m- music as it is for Chris and I'm sure, you know, yourself, Tom, and, and, and most people that are listening to this, it's, you know, a, a key part of uh, of you know, your life and, you know, Chris and I have come from, you know, musical backgrounds, whether that be DJing, bands, you know, producing music, whatever, like, and, and, and so, you know, questions like this to, to actually pick them songs, I've leaned towards songs that I've got two sort of two kind of takes on it. That I've got a couple that lift me out of feeling shit and I've got three that, kind of give me a hug when I'm feeling shit and in, and it soundtracks that feeling shit and kind of is part of the process of acknowledging it's all a bit shit at the moment. Oh mate, yeah, that sounds that sounds lovely. Should we should we jump in with one of those then, Stu? Oh, okay. Um so bizarrely, I've had a strange week this week and it's the first time I sort of spoke to Chris and he's been checking mm. in on me, bless him. Um he's been really kind of, of him, but um I've had a bit of a wonky week and and so this kind of come along at the right time, this uh, this conversation. Uh, and a song that I can't stop listening to at the moment, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, um, it's a very early track by the Bee Gees, uh, and it's called I Started a Joke. Uh, and I've literally just got goosebumps there wow. as I've just said the title of the song. Um, it was covered by Faith No More um, in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. Um, and it's Robin Gibb, not not uh, Barry Gibb singing this. It's Robin who's got that kind of almost falsetto, really sort of b- it breaks as well when it when it's it, it really is just such a delicate voice, and it just be so emotive and just beautiful. And and this song, uh, yeah, it's just, the, 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 the 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 direction of the song it's it's heartbreaking and. Yeah, I've I've literally not been able to stop listening to it, and uh, and uh, yeah, well, I I do that if I like a song that I just fall in love with, I have it on repeat yeah. all day, and I just play it, play it, play it, play it. I play think it. people who think they're cool, Stu, say that they don't do that, but I've you know <laughs> the reality is like I you know I've done that quite a lot yeah. as well, like yeah. You know, yeah, is that a way? Is do you find that as a means to? Sorry, Tom, I'm hijacking your podcast here. Um, is is that is because I find that interesting how you said this about how you curate your top five issues like you're sitting in the shit a bit with the song like because it's not it's not uplifting you is it it's not giving you necessarily a, a solution to how you're no, feeling it's, a bit of, it's just a bit of a cuddle and just like look ride this out this is going to soundtrack it it fits how you're feeling and yeah. uh, just indulge it a little yeah that's really important isn't it because that like mm. any therapist worth the salt is going to tell you to like sit with what's going on and don't try and change it 
and don't run away from it and just sit with it. And the first time I heard that, I was like, what do you mean, sit with it? Mm. And they were like, well, put your fucking phone down for a start. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, we've, mm. it, it, we constantly distract ourselves away from these uncomfortable feelings. You're supposed to have uncomfortable feelings. That's part yeah. of, like, being a human, right? And mm. if, if, that, if we, you can use a piece of music to kind of help you to ease into to feeling it, that's the best way to feel your yeah. way through it and, and kind of get past it, I think. Absolutely. Molly, when, uh, Molly's dad unfortunately passed away like just suddenly, just boom, out of the blue. And he was a uh, music. He liked folk music. He had a uh, longest running uh, folk music club in North London. Um, and uh, he'd been doing it literally thirty years. He had it not every Tuesday, and he played there. He had we had guests every every week. And Molly, like Molly, just really felt her her father's death. It sounds like a stupid thing to say, but when my dad passed. The first week, I felt I was really processing it properly, and I was crying a lot. I was it was savage, but I really felt I was processing it. And then something happened with behaviours of family members that made me had to get my fucking game head on and get shit sorted. And it kind of stopped my fucking grieving for a year, well over a year. Like it kind of I put a stop on it, and I couldn't reopen the gates properly, and. What Molly did was she sat, like exactly what you said there, Tom, just sat with the feelings and she would play his music and his recordings. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of heartbreaking because you come home after work and she's fucking crying again. No, but do you know what I mean? She's like playing her dad's music and she's properly fucking weeping. But like without feeling that emotion, you'll never get past it. You'll never properly deal with it. So like... I think with men as well, I'm very much like, I've spoken to Pip about this a lot as well. Like when we hear our mates have problems, we're like, right, okay. Or our girlfriends, right, here we go. Let's get the solution. Well, who's, what's bugging you? Solution number one, solution number two. It's like, they're not at the solution stage. They're at the, this is fucking shit and it's upset me. And I want to get get past that bit first. So like you say, Tom, like, I'm sometimes a bit too keen to get to the, solution or problem solve stage feel it understand how it feels process that sadness first before you sort of like go anywhere else and you can still have a slight optimism Stu like you say with that song like it can be a sort of cuddle mm. as to as, as <clears throat> to what's going on it doesn't have to doesn't have to analyse everything you've done wrong in the relationship at that point or whatever do you know what I mean or you know what's happened uh, yeah, it's interesting. I haven't heard that song, Stu, so I'll, I'll have to check it out, man. Yeah. We, we'll uh, let, let's put a little Spotify playlist together of all our choices, and we can put mm. it in the show notes so people can go and listen to all of them. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool, man. Yeah, definitely. I, it, it's funny, isn't it, talking about grief because, like, it, obviously, grieving is a process, and there's no instructions for it, and like, society doesn't always give us the chance. So, if you like, you like you said, Chris, you can start to go through the process and then have to switch back on, and then maybe you get like an afternoon to yourself in a month's time, and you think, oh, I could really do with kind of letting some of this out, but you can't get there because you've been burying it for six months, and like that, you, then you put that tune on, and it just kind of like just teases it out, you know, just opens the door, and you kind of go, uh, you know, you, you let let that out. I, I lost um. Uh, a friend of mine, like a really, really good friend. And it was about, probably about 10 years ago now. And at the time I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And I was a bit like, I was in shock and I, I didn't go to funeral and I didn't, I felt sad, but I didn't really feel that sad. I was really like, 
just reserved from it and that was like yeah. years and years ago and last year me and my wife went to um went to see ryan adams in manchester and he plays those like really like low-key acoustic shows it's just him with a, like a lamp because he can't have the, the bright lights on because of his medical condition and everyone sat there he's, you're not allowed phones so it's really really intimate and he's got a song about his brother who died and he played this song about his his brother and i was just sat there and i just started sobbing it was such a i've never cried in public before like that in in like such a intimate setting it was quiet like people could have seen me <laughs> you know um yeah. um and it was yeah just something about that he was singing about his brother i thought about my mate and then the song finished and i kind of thought oh god that was bloody lovely i needed that and then we just went back to watching the gig and it was just like a little moment of emotion that just kind of got like pinched out and there's some like real comfort in and exactly like Stu said sometimes these songs are like a like a hug it's just like a blanket mm. that wraps around you and makes you feel nice for three minutes i think makes you feel safe what was your one, Chris? Uh, what shall I start with? I, I mean, because just even that conversation, what you just said there, Tom inspired me on another one, which was kind of like, oh, fuck it. Shall I do this now? Because we're only doing five. Oh, no, sport for choice now. Where do you go? Uh, ooh, right, so I would like, so this is one where I had processed this pain a bit, but it kind of caught me off guard. I was dry. I was driving. Um, this is an honourable mention. I'm going to do my other one, my proper one, in the same. But I was driving along from uh, home from work uh, from the train station, and um, basically uh, a local boy in a photograph uh, from uh, Stereophonics came on, and like I'm not a big Stereophonic. I'll put my hands up and say I'm not that keen on Stereophonics. Like I like their first two records. And then after that, I kind of like, they really blew up. And I don't know if it's because I was being a snob because I was younger. and like No, they, got they, too they, they, they did just become shit. Oh, they did. Okay, so it's yeah. not me. Tri- tri- but like that f- that second record that's got like think songs like, um, yeah, um, Thousand Trees and Local Boy in a Photograph. I loved that. And that was like, they were at like one of my favourite V uh, festivals. Uh, I think it was 97 or 98. Um, 98. 98. And it was amazing. And I had that experience with my best mate. My best mate, unfortunately, was a lad who killed himself when we were 21. I was like 30 by this point. So it was years past. I'd actually gone to therapy like five years after that. I'd, I'd really sort of like felt it. But uh, I remember like that song came on, like, Local Boy in a Photograph. It might have been Thousand Trees. It's funny how your brain can switch songs out. But in the first riff of that, it was Thousand Trees, weirdly enough. Local boy in a photograph is about suicide, isn't it? It's about a lad who falls on the train tracks. But I guess your brain sort of like connects the two. And it also connected me very strongly to Jamie, very strongly to V97 or V98. And the first opening call started, standing at the bus stop with my sharpening in my... And I fucking... It hit me, it punched me around the face, Tom. And I literally pulled over and just went. And I just fucking sobbed my guts out. And it's just that opportunity, I think... Um, I have a habit of sometimes when under duress to be able to go, I'm putting that in a box for a minute um, and I can handle the pressure and I can have a very level head. I can deal with shit situations. Everyone's, oh, you deal with that fine. And I'm like, cool. But what I've got to, what I've got to learn to be able to do, I'm much better now as I'm older, is when, I, when, when, when the pressure's off to let that relief go and then really be able to feel, feel what fucking happened. And so I'll do that. Like, if I do feel that's, like, whatever I need to do, I was just like, fuck it, I'm pulling over and I'm just going to cry my eyes out. And like you say, Tom, if someone had driven past me, it'd have been like, what the fuck is going on in that car? Just like proper... 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Howling. And uh, it was, it's cathartic. I think, you know, just because you, you learn to live with a pain of a tragic situation doesn't mean to say it just goes. That's not uh, most of the time. It isn't that you ever forget it. It's le- you learn to live with it. And have a successful life with, with even with some of those things. It's possible. There's light at the end of that tunnel. Um, and yeah, so I did. I did. I just felt that. But that was a special mention. My actual one's going to be not crying, but a thing that I, I think just as good is right, like fucking being absolutely angry. And um, so there's a song by Royal Blood. Again, not all their records I'm a big fan of, but there's a song called Loose Change. It's only about three minutes long. Uh, you know, I don't know all. I know all the lyrics. I'm not exactly sure what their interpretation of what they're singing about is, but for me, it perfectly fit um, a relate a very frustrating relationship where I, I love this person desperately, but they kind of, you know, they would. Re- I felt like they had reduced everything down to the fact that they were going to be left with nothing but loose change in their pocket. Like they'd lost a great relationship. We had both because they're so busy penny pinching and, uh, and and abusing the relationship. And so that's, it's weird, like, I don't know, that's not probably what that song's about. That's how I see it. It's a song that is very, like, uh, it has, like, a change of tempo halfway through. And I used to listen to that, like you say, Stu, on repeat. And for me, that helped me in that in that rage, frustration part of a relationship that I had to end and I was in love, and I still had to end it, that's a horrible situation to be in, where you're like, you love them, but it's toxic as fuck, and you're doing it for your own self-preservation, I felt so frustrated, that for me, like, that song was a way of just being able to rage it out, and just fucking, I listened to it on repeat, whenever I needed to, just to get the anger out, and just the, it helped define what I couldn't quite put into words about how I felt, and that ties back to what we were saying about the vocabulary, Tom, sometimes you don't have the words to describe the frustration that you feel in a relationship. So, yeah, I love it. And they said it was so hard for them to write that record. 
you know, said it was a real fucker to produce it. But for me, it's it's my favourite one of their songs. Uh, but it will immediately link to that relationship. I can't listen to it without thinking of that situation. So that's my actual, that's my actual, actual pick, even though I spoke about stereophonics for longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anger's a funny emotion, isn't it? Because like, yeah. it, it's frowned, again, all emotions are valid and we're supposed to have mm. the full spectrum of them, but it's mm. almost like frowned upon. And I think mm. more than anything, it's the one that if you if you push it down, if you don't express it, that's when it comes out like inappropriately. You know, yeah. so like I've, I've, I've talked about in therapists, sometimes if I like overreact in family situations, I like shout at my kids and then the, the guilt of that will fucking destroy me afterwards. And my therapist was saying, it's not the thing that they did. It's all this other thing that's like bubbled up and it's just come out at the wrong, at the wrong moment. So, you know, a mechanism to, um, you know, a mechanism to release that through music is, is wonderful. I think it's why things like combat sports and stuff are so good for people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If you can go and like welly a fucking bag or beat your mate up or mm. <laughs> choke him out or something, then it's like it's a, a safe way to release some of these, uh, mm. some of these things, I think. Absolutely. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, totally rule out domestic violence, Tom. Well, I think a little bit of it is still healthy, uh, but just not, a, also don't get caught. I guess is if we can we can give a decent message to this this podcast. No, I completely agree, mate. I think like having a good way, like um, Zach Delarocca said, anger is a gift. John uh, Lydon said, anger is an energy. Yeah, and it's and it's totally true. Like I often like the difference between me and Molly is that she her go to will be sadness, and my go to is often rage, and it's like it'll be a outburst. Like when I'm doing DIY, for example, an outburst, I'll say some filthy derogatory words to a wall. Done. I'm done. Like, I forgot about it. I've got it's gone. And like, even though Molly might be like, you've just scared the life out of me. It's like, okay, well, I've dealt with it and I did, I've got the job done now. Whereas sometimes sadness, I think you've got to feel it, you've got to sit in it. Uh, both are valid feelings. But it's funny, people may lean towards one and the other. And being overly dependent on it, I know sometimes I've had an issue with rage, especially road rage. Um, but I've mu- much learnt, I've learnt to much more successfully deal with it. And that song, Loose Change, in a way, like it was, a- it was anger, but it also like it got it out of me, and it was, it also reminded me of sort of reinforced why I'd made the decision that I had. It helped me interpret the relationship in a way that made me be able to rationalise why I've had to make the decision I've made. And I don't know, it helped. Like I obviously had extreme sadness through that, but getting a bit of rage out didn't didn't hurt. And, you know, obviously joking about the domestic violence. The idea here, right, Tom, is that get, you know, if you've got a way to do it, getting that anger out, you might not, you won't, you won't, you you get if you can let it out in the right way, and you can use anger to push you to take action that is positive. If you're getting pissed off at something, right? How do you fix it without violence? That's where anger can push you. Take that energy, push it into the solution. Um, I think it's it's super super useful. Yeah, that's a healthy outlet, right? You can burn it mm. off, burn it off in the gym, scream it at a wall, but yeah, ag- acknowledge it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, what's your number five, Tom? Um, I. Or should we do this as a number three? Are we going to just do five? Because if we do like each do five, we're going to be here for like top about top three fifteen. Hours. Yeah, I <laughs> hadn't really given it much thought to be honest. I was going. I thought oh, I'll leave it to them two to just bring it. Mm. Um, yeah, so sure. I've 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 kind of had like a few ideas of things. But you, you talk about like songs that like 
your comfort song, your crying song. If I need to get a cry out, my go-to is um, People's Faces by K Tempest. That's my go-to. And I've got no idea what that, what that song is about. You know, K Tempest is, a, is amazing and I like all of their work. But um, that song in particular, that's, that is my go-to. If I'm stuck, um, if I can't, if something needs to shift and I can't get it mm. to shift, that's my, um, yeah, that's my put that on. It gets me every time. Uh, when I first heard that, I was walking through London and then I carried on walking and I just had it on loop. And there's a pause where they say, uh, is it there's so much love in people's faces? Is it love? There's so much. I can't think what it is. But, she, but they pause and it's just that whole less is more thing in music mm. where sometimes you the think, silence. right, this is the poignant part of the song, let's drop them strings in, let's make it. And just the little gap and the breath gives it the gravitas. And it's, yeah, yeah what a fucking record that is. Yeah. There's so much peace to be found in people's faces. Peace to be found in people's That's the faces. One. That's the one. And sometimes like songs, like when you hear it, at the time, you think, oh, it's got me. And then maybe over time, the effect wears off slightly as it goes, you know. Mm. But that one for me, it, it doesn't matter. Like, you put it on now, like, please don't. But you could put it on now and, and I'd go. I know I would go. It's just like, yeah. yeah, it just sits in my soul somehow. Yeah, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good shout, Tom. Well, Stewie. Um, I'm going to go for a song that everybody knows um and i heard it when i was very young when i watched the film greece um and it doesn't matter how many times i hear it it absolutely just crushes me and and it's hopelessly devoted to you by living you and john <laughs> uh I, I think it's a masterpiece uh i think a vocal is fucking incredible uh uh i don't know who wrote it um i should know that i should find out um but yeah i, I just think this it, it's just got a big chorus mm -hmm. and it yeah and just i think it was probably one of the first songs i ever heard that made me just think oh there's it's not just sounds it's like there's there's levels to this and i think Probably one of yeah, one of them was probably the first song that I think done that, and uh, and it still does that to this day, you know, fifty years you'd later. You'd have been uh, proper young, right, when you when you heard that. So yeah, well, it come out in when did Greece come out? Seventy seven. So I would have been what thirty five. <laughs> like so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm going to go. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopelessly devoted to you by Olivia Newton John. Is that something that you listen to? Is that a, like a, a relationship? Type? Like, say, for example, Loose Change for me is a sort of like more... D d d is, it, is Hopelessly Devoted to you a go-to in a relationship sort of like when you're feeling, when you're thinking about that sort of stuff or can you use, can you listen to it for other things when you want to... Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I've, 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 got, open up. I've got songs that remind me of Heartbreak. Like, You and Me song by The Wanna Dies I can't listen to. Like, yeah, right. uh, and it's one of the most joyous pop songs ever yeah, written yeah. and I have to play it in my club but mm. it just yeah there's something about that it just wins me a little bit but uh, but totally yeah no I, I don't I don't necessarily sort of obviously I've not you know had my heart broken for, for a long time <laughs> and uh, 
and yeah, but I don't. I, oh, no, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, do you know what? I'll move on because I'll be here forever just <laughs> rattling off uh, uh, songs like that. Well, I what, totally what? agree about the You and Me song though. Like it yeah. is like super uplifting, but it can wind you. Us by Regina Spector does that to me mm. as well. It's such a beautiful. Her voice in that is just fucking. It's incredible, and it's so wistful about love and the greatness of love and how great it can be and how it can stand the test of time. It's fucking great, man. Mm. But within that can also be melancholy or uh, it can highlight the absence of it in in instances or, you know. So, yeah, oh, that's interesting, Shu. I'm always fascinated by songs that are upbeat that are really, really sad. It's like all Northern Soul songs, right? So people are dancing to it and then you listen to the words and it's like, oh, right, he's like divorced and he hasn't seen his kids and it's like it's so (laughs) upsetting and there's something about that the the happiness and the sadness within it that's just like it's almost like your brain can't handle it it's like it's like two contrasting things i i shared our uh our hardcore listening episode this week was which we talk about monsters with carla valentine and i when i did the music on the instagram post i put um ghost in my house by dean taylor Mm. the northern soul classic and it's one of the best songs to dance to ever but it everybody thinks it's just a song about ghosts there's a ghost in my house since you left and it's her ghost and it's like it's just heartbreak and mm-hmm. and it's like but all of them Motown songs all of them Northern Soul songs they're, they're all so fucking tragic and, and laced in heartbreak but they're just the most joyous pop ditties you know out there yeah, there's a skill to that, right? A real art in, oh in writing God. it. I always yeah. think to write something. How can you? How can you write a really upbeat song? You know that finishes with, um, you know, if a ten-ton, you know, bus crashes into us to die by your side. He's such a, you know, but he's got these beautiful melodic upbeat strings, and it's just this joyous, you know, you know. I'm, I, I will just get my nod into the Smiths. Now. They've done that perfectly. Songs that were just so miserable like lyrically but joyous musically you know that's 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 hard to do and get that right i completely agree i don't think the brain is this binary thing where it's either you know it's either happy or sad like these words like happy and sad they're two things that we've humans have made up and studied but it doesn't it never perfectly encapsulates what you're feeling all at one time yeah like if you could be you if you're sad about a breakup, right? Let's say you choose that one. It's a simple one. You're yeah. sad about a breakup because you split up with her, but you know also <clears throat> there was something sweet to begin with. For you to be sad now, there must have been something sweet to begin with. Because if you didn't like them, you wouldn't be upset about it. Mm. So there, there, there you have. Like you're trying to hold your brain actually is holding two emotions at the same time and something that you might not be able to vocabulize to your mates either but you listen to that northern soul record and you're like oh right it's kind of helping me process this in a way that i maybe can't quite explain often because we're not smart enough we're not smart enough to understand our own emotions like you know how many of us have got like you know degrees in psychology and you know yeah really interesting Stu. Yeah, it's cool. Mm. I wasn't expecting something from Greece to come up today. I'll um, I'll definitely <laughs> uh, definitely say that. That that kind of like jumped into my head as well when you're talking about that. It's when you hear, and I always think about this too when I listen to Off the Beaten Track, and you ask that question about the emotional impact, because probably the first songs that I remember making me feel emotional would have been songs that I wouldn't particularly think now were very good, 
and I would have been at an age where I hadn't really experienced any emotions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it would have been something on the radio like Meatloaf or Brian Adams or one of those big so true, ballads. Mate. And they're singing yeah. about like, oh, you know, I'd do anything for love. And I'd have been like eight and I'd never been in love, right? And it, But I, I remember feeling the weight of yeah. those songs at the time, you know? That song in particular, Tom, I, I'll literally mirror. So when that came out, I would have been 12-ish. And I'd started senior school. I hadn't really experienced love. I had a, I had one of my first authentic, real crushes on a girl. I'll say that. And that's about as much as I could draw a comparison. Not in terms of the depth of that ballad. But I felt the full force of it, even if I couldn't quite empathise with the with the situation, you know. Yeah, it's a weird, Funny, that. weird thing. Yeah. I used to put on um, History by the Verve over and over and <laughs> over again and get all emotional too. I'd never had a girlfriend. <laughs> That's <laughs> really interesting no, you yeah. say that, right? So around that time when um, the Verve released A Northern Soul, uh, that, that record, and Spiritualized released Ladies and Gentlemen with Floating in Space, them two records soundtracked my first proper heartbreak, I can't listen to any of them albums yeah. anymore. I have to be in the right headspace to listen to them. And I love both them records. Yeah. But there's a weight to them that they're winter records, in my opinion, anyway. They're not mm. summer songs. Mm. And and I just have to be... In, I was, I've got a note to mention them two bands in here as they're the two albums that I can't play Um unless I really am in the right mood for it because there's just that strange weight attached to them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, heavy th- thanks fucking for records. All that, thanks for all that enjoy- enjoyment. I loved you, but I've attached, I used to talk to Pip about this a lot, but I, it's so entwined with a relationship that is like, that made that relationship great. It, it is also what makes it so hard to fucking, yeah. it rips, it rips that, those feelings open straight away, doesn't it? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, and that's a nice tenuous link into my next one. So I can't remember the record that Sage Francis said that, but he he like there's a there's a line where he basically says, "I thought time's a good healer, but when I saw you again, uh, I don't know." He has a go at time for basically saying that's fucking savagely not the case because as soon as I saw you, it ripped the wound open straight away. That's not what the song I'm talking about, but it is a Sage Francis song that I'm talking about. So about probably about two thousand and. Five, I started getting really back into hip hop and more the underground scene in London and, you know, record labels like Def Jux and all that shit. And um, Sage Francis became my number one, like probably rapper of all time. And between him and Saul Williams, but he released a song called uh, Inherited Scars. And it's, I didn't know at that point, I guess for me, it's the one where I'd say, like, if does rap have to be about whatever... I grew up with. So I grew up with Ice Cube, Cypress Hill, and then just like, anyone on Rap Attack, Della Soul. And again, like a lot of the stuff that Cypress Hill were rapping about, I couldn't in any way, shape or form relate to. But for some reason, I, I could in, in other ways. I take other learnings from uh, Ice Cube songs that apply them to my life, even though it was completely such a stuck you, you, you got up to speed with Cypress Hill by the time you got to college though, didn't you? <laughs> You're going to keep digging me out? Go on. <laughs> what, oh, with just smoking weed? <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember listening to hits from the bong and like going, oh, that's what being stoned must sound like. <laughs> what? What's that even mean? It means nothing, mate. But you're 12 and you've got no, no other reference. So yeah. I guess that does make sense to a 12-year-old who's never been stoned. 
but like Sage Francis was the first person when I started listening to his lyrics. I'm like, it's about real world things, and it's done in such deep, deep ways that even now, like the writing on the Inherited Scars, I just feels like godlike. It's like so out of touch with what I could ever write. It, it feels so alien to me. Someone's capable of writing in depth like that, and it's basically about his relationship with his sister. Um, and the, the experiences they had with their maybe with their parents and about how actually and um, the, the the chorus is if I could have been there from the beginning if I could be there right now if I could promise to be there when you need me would it raise an eyebrow how would your body be different if I still drop by for visits is it my place to put a, a smile on your face and then it goes on about the idea of inherited scars is not, uh, for me is like that the, she, she'd hurt her skin and she tattooed herself and it's from pain that she'd experienced from their upbringing and how maybe he could have interjected with that at points over there as they grew up and how appropriate at points it would have been to do that and not it's really it's just a really deep song and I listened to that and at the time again like I didn't really have a means to relate that to many things I guess but I felt it and actually in ways it has taught me a to, it, it's a sit in the shit song for me um, but it's also a, a, like it was a sort of like before we were talking a lot about mental health, like in 2004, whatever, um, it was a discussion over mental health and how to consider the pros and cons of, you know, when, when, when do you need to reach out and don't, lay, don't delay it too long and don't be quiet about it. Don't suffer in silence. It might help to talk to someone about it. Um, yeah, it's incredible. It's really like it's got like a, uh, it, you could almost call it a winter. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Song yourself, Shoe. I sort of understand what you mean by that. Um, and it, 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 it ends with sort of like a recording of those two when they were younger that obviously their mum or dad managed to catch on tape. And I don't know, I love it. Like I've cried to it a lot, um, but I feel like I've learned from it, strangely. I learned from his situation in terms of how to maybe approach helping friends if they are sometimes in need as well. Um, so yeah, this is this has more of a like, even though it's based on a story in his maybe his and his sister's experience, it also kind of was like a blueprint for helping myself or others maybe if they've got um, things in the past that they need to process or things that are they're happening to them now that they need to process so yeah well done Sage Francis I'd recommend everyone give that one a listen mate that's a nice touch putting like a mm. voice recording at the end do you know what I mean like that, it's like when you see a, um, a film that's based on a true story and they like flash the picture of the real person at the end and you kind of like it just drives it home doesn't it <laughs> yeah, you know like yeah. that's a, a nice way to make it real right to make it oh like these are real people real thoughts real things yeah. written down man that's sick I like that should we we got a happy one should we do a happy one anyone got a happy one yeah Stu got any any uplifting ones mate you want to talk yeah Uh, Jimmy Cliff uh, I can see clearly now Um, uh, I can see clearly now the rain has gone I can see all obstacles in my way Uh, is it gone are the what is it gone are the 
gone on the dark clouds that had me blind. Uh, it's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. And I remember my mate Keith, uh, who passed away. He uh, he 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 said to me once that um, he'd, he'd he'd got divorced. His his wife had left him, and uh, and he he decided that he would move out and try and do the right thing. Uh, and basically, she stitched him up, uh, and he lost everything. And uh, he had to sort of build his life back up again and try and get back on the property ladder. And and he did. And he just he he, remember, he just said to me once, he said, I was just driving along, and this come on the radio, and it just snapped me out of something, and it just gave me a proper rainbow, and was like, okay, this is this is, and it and that resonated with me. And and whenever I hear that. Most people will probably know it from like cool runnings and things like that, but obviously it's a a a, a massive uh, Jimmy Cliff record. Who's, who's Jesus Christ has got so many uh, incredible records. Um, but yeah, I can see clearly now. I think it's a real upbeat, you know, kind of jaunty, scar almost reggae, almost scary kind of. You know, it's got that up sort of skank to it. Just a brilliant pop song. Yeah, that's that's my 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 happy one. I think and. To throw an honourable mention in as well, just ridiculous because it's the song that whenever I hear it gives me pure joy, and it's uh, "We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off to Have a Good Time" by <laughs> Jermaine Stewart, great. which is a fucking great pop record. And whenever I hear it, uh, and I just hear that not a word from your lips, like I just think, "Ah, oh, we're in for a really happy ride now." This is the next three minutes is just really great, and uh, and pop music's brilliant for that. And uh, and that's one that I can you know trace back to being uh, you know a, a probably around ten or eleven and just thinking this is brilliant you know uh, there's not even such a thing as cherry wine but he's singing about it and uh, <laughs> and obviously I was fascinated at the concept of it was called we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time and I didn't really understand what he was talking about I did like, from like sw- you know I heard it about is he going swimming I like I'd I don't lost know. my virginity. <laughs> Or he yeah, disagreed so with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Glassam? Oh, I'm going to say one that you'll hate. Um, probably. Uh, Reef. Uh, are you a fan of Reef, Stu? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't be. Um, I, I, had, I, had Jack, I did have Jack on the podcast, and he was lovely. Yeah. He was so nice. He's got a serious beard as well. Is he? Yeah, mm. I fucking... That, that, that record, was it Glow? Mm. Second one, well, yeah. To be, to be fair, I thought Replenish was fucking amazing too, to be fair. First I CD I it. ever bought, first record I was ever it? bought. Yeah. Mate, I'd love to find my copy of that. that was did you, did you go I and copied. see him when they played the Tangate on that uh, record? Did, oh no, I didn't. Unless I did, and I can't remember. Because they got famous for the mini disc advert. Naked yeah, was yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And on that first tour. It was naked, wasn't it? Yeah. And, <laughs> and they played the Tangate in Basildon. Shit! No, I didn't yeah. see that. And that that mid- mini disc advert came out, and then mini disc still took about another two years to take off, and then they got fucking crushed by MP3s. But my mini disc player is, to me, that's the epitome of any technology I'll ever own. Right? You could Peaked. run around with that. You could skip tracks. I nicked my one, as we've told her on the story. I nicked like a two hundred pound mini disc. There's good reason for that, Tom. But I'm not going to explain it any further than that. You guess will just have to. You listeners have to think I'm a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> Uh, but like I had, I had weirdly had Reef on on a mini disc, and uh, I thought, yeah, Replenish was ace, and Glow was amazing, and there was a song on Glow called Summers in Bloom, and to me that was fun because it's like 
you don't have to do a lot. Like as I say, with songs like "Loose Change" or, or any hip hop I was listening to at fourteen, where they're talking about drive-bys, and I'm somehow made, managing to relate that to my own life. Like um, it wasn't so hard to relate at like whatever twenty-one, whatever whenever Glow came out. Uh, like, but what that summer in bloom is obviously quite easy to interpret that as an uplifting. Yes, okay, it's time to have a really good time and uh, in- enjoy yourself. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a, it's just always been a feel good uh, thing. I think it's got a slow start, um, but I don't know. It's just foreshadowing that it's going to be a big song, and it's just a happy song for me. Weirdly, I haven't listened to it in. I probably haven't played that song for five years. But uh, I don't know. That's the one that came to mind. I thought you was leading us up to say "Consideration" by Reef. I thought that's what was coming. Oh like, yeah, no, amazing. Because that whole crescendo of it's gonna be all right. Uh, like I thought that's yeah. where he's going with this. Like, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So weird, isn't it? The different mm. songs speak to you. Yeah. And uh, you know, they had some tunes, man. Reef, yeah, they were sure. sick. And then they disappeared yeah. for a while, and they come back and they cut all the hair off, and were wearing like Reebok Classics and Ben Sherman's, and they did an album <laughs> that wasn't wasn't quite as wasn't quite as good. But they're still yeah. still at it, aren't they, man? And I think oh, yeah. there can't be many songs that wouldn't be improved by Gary Stringer popping up and going, all right now, just like randomly, <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. that, that you know, like Dr. Dre's got a hell yeah and yeah. Gary well, Stringer's got um, a, all right now. Yeah. For a while, oh, I think they've got, have they got Ronnie Woods or someone's son in Reef mm, now? I think uh, it is Ronnie Woods' son, mate, I think, yeah. And then up until maybe a year ago, they had, I've got to get it right, not Roger. Or was it Roger? Roger Taylor from Duran Duran um, was in Reef. Like it's quite, yeah. They they, they got quite the the, the lineup and uh, and yeah, they're they're back and they're at it and uh, and yeah. I mean, they they've got some classic indie dance floor stompers, haven't they? And uh, yeah. You're too cool for it, though, Stu. I That's don't like riffs, Chris. Tom. That's why I don't like bloody loose you don't change. Like riffs, mate. Like, do you? <laughs> don't like you. Don't fucking shit in my heart. You could have kept that. <laughs> I'm to surprised you ain't mentioned Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It's so funny that, like, yeah, they've got certain songs, I, I guess, that, that I, could, I could argue, I could argue, would be on that show. But weirdly, I don't use them as much for that as I do just good old fashioned being happy, rocking out. Um, weird. So one other happy one, which is a bit of a curveball because it's. Conf- it's confusing in that sense, but it is a more heavy song. Is uh, Nirvana's Lithium, which obviously Lithium is something you you would take um, for for certain, like um, you know, if if you need. I, it's it's for depression, isn't it? Lithium, and and I think the people with bipolar maybe sometimes take take it as well. This is all guesswork. Yeah, Tom, no, I think I have heard that. I think I have heard that. Yeah, I spoke to someone about it. But the lyrics in that, like I've sung them a dozen times, and like a lot of the Nirvana ones, especially because when I got into Nirvana, I wasn't so much always breaking down. I don't suppose I've done that a lot with songs. I, I interpret them how I want, and I leave them at that. I'm not one for bookishly reading up the meanings of a band's guesswork. lyrics. I prefer guesswork, Stu, mm. and absolutely. And Lithium to me is a very happy song. But lyrically, it's experiences with a girlfriend and, and maybe confessions they might have been involved in the death of someone and actually then finding God. And and Kurt's, when I've look, I weirdly looked at it this morning, Kurt's sort of explanation for that song is understanding that life could be maybe 
meaningless, but maybe a little sample of what in aspects of heaven could be like and, and feeling good in that way in a in a world where nothing really matters. Um, and I, weirdly, without reading that, I, I don't know, I've always found lithium, despite the lyrics being a bit... Uh, having mixed meanings is, is still an uplifting rock song. I don't know why, but yeah, mm. it came to mind. I mean, that, and I have used it as that in the past as well. Yeah, that that kind of grunge era and a, a lot of like really big rock bands and stuff. I always find now looking back on some of these these bands, these songs, whatever, through the lens of mental health, quite shocking. Because I, as a kid growing up, I listened to all these records, I read all the books, I watched all the documentaries, and I loved the rock and rollness of it. Mm. I loved the the drugs and the booze and the stories and all this sort of stuff. And now now I look at it and I go, oh yeah, look, look, you were all like mentally ill. You guys were like... <laughs> Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking about it the other day because like Duff McKeegan's just brought a new mm. record out and it is impossible for anyone to mention Duff McKeegan without saying that his pancreas exploded from drinking too much vodka. Yeah. And in I've just read an interview with him on, a, I think it was on the Guardian website and he talks about that he drank so much because he had a panic disorder. And you think, oh, that's why he blew his pancreas up because he had mm. like awful anxiety. And, yeah. But I never, like, I never thought, I was like, oh, Duff McKeegan, God, he drank so much, did you hear about his pancreas? Oh, it's amazing. You know, like, it's just, it, it, these folklore, and then you look at it yeah. through the into men, mental health, and you go, oh, man, that's not well. They didn't need a, another tour. They needed a, a, a hug but, and a lot of time off. But you look at these people, and, you, you know, and, and we talk about that here, and you talk about Duff, and and uh, I can't remember what the, the, the singer's name was, um, uh pre Pearl Jam, uh, not Green River, in... Um, oh, Andrew Woods. Andrew, yeah. And so Andrew, Chris Cornell, Lane Stanley, um, uh, Scott Wayland, obviously was in uh, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, and then obviously he was in a band with Duff. Um, and all of these people, you know, were kind of revered, and Kurt, obviously, were, were you know, these, these kind of, not so much Kurt, but there's lots of rock and roll behavior that's kind of encouraged and nurtured and marketed and ultimately these are emotional people that are trying to express themselves you know in a very bananas industry and these ones were the lucky ones that got fortune and fame i mean fucking hell how you navigate your way through that i think know, it's, it is pure fucking luck yeah. Because our brains are so... I'd be, I've always joked about that. Like, If I could sing, I'd be dead. Mm. If I could sing, I'd be dead, 100%. Because I would have got... So, I'm so impressionable. And I'm such a dirtbag, you know. I, I I just wouldn't have survived it. I, like the, the, the law of sex and drugs and rock and roll, I would have never made it out. So it's fucking lucky I can't sing. It's lucky... That I'm ap- I'm absolutely talentless in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> like, I'm so grateful that there's nothing to me. <laughs> like I'm I'm barren, bereft. <laughs> because like yeah, it's like how do you do? Because like I do get the rock and roll thing. I've got sucked into it. like you said, Tom. Like it's really cool the ideology of being able to live your life by caring. Yeah, you know what? They're out there doing it. If it's not me, I'm glad it's them. How oh, did you hear they did this? And you hear, like, you read the autobiographies of, like, you know, slashing that, and he's, you know, they're all getting laid in a room, and he's pulling out, and he's accidentally coming on fucking Axel's leg or something, and then they're like, we need to get a bigger room. And it's like, that sounds amazing. And then, actually, the reality is they had a skill. They got thrown into something insane, 
No human being is ever prepared to equip to deal with this. Look at a- the Amy Winehouses. Look at the fucking Beatles, for God's sake. It destroys you mentally. And and then you get access to drugs. Yeah, you might have written some great songs on it. But also, like you say, Tom, there is there is a heavy bill to pay. And that bill often is death or uh, a short lifespan. I mean, we've seen Char... Unfortunately, Matt... Matt um, died this week, Chandler. Um, have I got his name right? I was going to say Matthew, Matthew Perry. Perry. Please say it's Matthew Perry and I haven't got it wrong because yeah. that'll be the next one everyone's laughing me at for getting wrong. I mean, like, he lived a rock star lifestyle just as a comic. But why Why was he doing all those things? He was funny, but he was having absolute panic attacks all the time because he was worried about making sure that on the set of Friends, he, what, he his lines got the biggest laugh because he was supposed to be seen as the more the more classically funny one. And like fucking hell, it just it can wreck you. So it's weird that you want to live vicariously through people. Think, yeah, look at them; they're living this lifestyle. And it's like, well, if you live that lifestyle, you know that that they could be demons. Hold, you know, they could be demons just doing all of that. And you could be medicating uh, because you can't handle it. You can't process it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's interesting, Tom. Yeah, it's a funny. Uh, yeah, you'd look at look at the world differently I think when you look at it through a lens of, mm. of mental health and, and mental illness yeah guys I think we're are we there we did five there that was uh, we did five we yeah got we got five I want to throw my number one in oh mate go for it go like, for it that's alright and and it's about mental health as well uh, and uh, and it's it's a song that most people know and it's not sung by the, the, the guy uh, who's the lead singer in the cars it wasn't it's not sung by him it's sung uh, by another member of the band, and and uh, are you familiar with Drive by the Cars? Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know who's going to drive you home tonight? And mm. and I always thought that was a love song, and it was only when someone said, "No, this is about someone whose mental health is not where they want it to be," and uh, and when you know that and you listen to it, like, oh my god, yeah, that record and that record for me takes me back for the first time I see somebody move to tears with music and and there was during Live Aid um, David Bowie comes on stage and um, introduces this uh, this kind of short film about showing the the, 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 the the famine and the children that were dying in Ethiopia at the time and it was soundtracked by Drive by the Cars and I remember seeing my mum and my aunt just sobbing and I was like and I could tell that it was because of what they were seeing. Mm. But it was then I really noticed that putting the right music with the right images takes things to a completely different level and just, you know, opens your heart up even wider, mm. you know, to, to, to feel the, you know, the sorrow and, 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 and pain of what you're looking at. And, uh, and yeah, so I just want, but I'd urge people to go and listen to, to that track because uh, it is, it is a, just a perfect record. It's, I would say it's in my my top five records of all time. I think it's um, a perfect, perfect single. Maze, what a wonderful choice! Nice. I had no idea that that song was about um, no. about that. Yeah, so, there, there you go. Any- Good shout, mate, and very, very specific to this top five as well. It ticks all the boxes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Anything you want to throw in, Chris? Before we. Uh- I listen to a lot of miserable shit. Like a lot of my electronic music, I listen to a lot of dark electronic ambient stuff. And a lot of people are like, that sounds really sad. And it probably is. And I'm quite happy being, like, I'm quite happy with, uh, such a fucking oxymoronic thing to say. I'm quite happy with sadness. Like, I'm quite okay. I'm quite familiar with it. And I don't feel, 
panic by it and I quite like melancholy like songs like I remember playing one of my mates was like oh let's do song for song and I played Rabbit in the Headlights which was Uncle with Tom York and my mate was like what why are you playing this shit to me and I was like isn't it a banger and he's like no it's it's awful I don't know I, I really kind of enjoy um, morose music and it, I don't I don't even listen to it in as a means to like have to always sit in the shit or process my feelings I don't know. I quite, I quite like those those more somber songs, and it doesn't mean I'm a. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm known for being a fucking, you know, someone who's dour or sad, mm. you know. And <laughs> I'm crying on the inside, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but bands like Lawn I've spoke about, but Uncle probably started that for me. Yeah. Science fiction. That's haunting. That's a winter record. I'd say it really is a winter record. That's mm. a great show. Yeah. Can I do for some couple of honourable mentions? Is that all right? Mm. Tom's um, like I've got fucking shit to, I've got shopping being delivered in a minute can I get oh, it easy. I <laughs> not at all not at all I've, I've fucking playlist. opened this can of worms and I'll deal with the consequences yeah, anymore <laughs> yes <laughs> I, well I will do a Spotify playlist um, but I, I wanted to shout out Karen Carpenter because I think she's got a voice oh, wow. that Good couldn't shout. be any sadder it just it just smacks of sadness and when you know the story of, of Karen Carpenter and so Rainy Days and Mondays uh, always get me down Fucking hell, that is a sad song. Um, the misconception that everybody hurts by REM is a sad song when it's take comfort in your friends, hold on, and it's all about the positives of reaching out to people. But I can't ever see beyond Dwight York sitting in the car park of uh, of the office and, uh, and just blaring it out on repeat in his car. <laughs> Or, uh, um, or Dwight Schrute, even, because I don't think the former Manchester United striker Dwight York was in there. Dwight York? you done a fucker. No. Oh, no. Um, uh, um, there's a track by Frankie Valley about his daughter that passed away called Myers Adored You. Uh, oh, wow. And if anybody that goes to watch Jersey Boys or has watched the film Jersey Boys... That, that song will fucking crush you. And my last one um, is by Soft Cell and was covered by David Gray as well uh, on, uh, was it White Ladder, his, his big album? Yeah, uh, Solo Wave Goodbye, um, which is uh, a fucking beautiful, beautiful record. I'd lean heavily on the the, the, the Soft Cell version. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's a sick song. I actually like his cover version, but yeah. It's that, great. Um, the, that's a, a sick, a sick version. Yeah. yeah. I... I one of my favourite bands ever is a band called Augustines. They used to be called We Are Augustines, now to change the name. And I've been lucky enough to have the the singer from Augustines, uh, Bill McCarthy, on my show. And there, he's had like what a life he's had and what a life the band have had. And it's seeped in mental health. Bill lost um, both his mum and his brother to suicide. And a lot of that was going on when they were trying to make the first record. And they just had, there's a documentary about them that like, has to be watched it's incredible and they had if it could go wrong it went wrong for that band you know and they they got down to their their last legs all these horrible things were happening in bill's personal life and they managed to get their debut album out and it blew and it kind of like you know that it gave them everything that they were they were looking for but the their songs are like stunning for like pick me up songs because that's what 
that's what was happening to them when they were writing these songs. They had hell going on and they were fighting to make this record. And it's all about like keeping going, keeping going. And they're a band that I go to. And they got a song called This Is Your Life. And there's a refrain in it. They're big choruses, big stompy kick drum, repetitive noise, you know. And um, there's a, a line in that. And he says, knock me down, my friend, and I'll just get back up again. And he says it again and again and again. And it gets louder and faster and louder and faster. And it's just like... Bomf, you just go. That's my that's my pull me out of a home a whole what, tune. What, what tune's that called? Mate? It's called This Is Your Life by Augustine's. Yeah, and it, it's it's one of those you know the really amazing songs that they. It sounds like one thing when it starts, and by the time it ends, you're like, you are not what just started, right? It just takes you takes you somewhere. It's stunning, and they've got a few of those, so they're they're wonderful. And um, I think they're about to come back. He put on his Instagram story that they're in the studio, so I think they're after about like eight or nine years. But um, so that's good. And to talk about modern recent music, there's an album that came out last week by Angie McMahon. And um, that's very mental health orientated. She talks a lot about sort of healing and struggle and coming off antidepressants. And it's the best thing I've heard in years. Like, I always found when I was younger, everything I listened to, I felt like they were writing about me. Like, I identified with every single band in the fucking, that was in the NME. And then as I've got older, I find that less and less that I have that connection, you know. But this album, I like, I felt... Angie, who was it? Angie McMahon. Yeah, the album's called um, Light, Dark, Light Again. She's an Australian. It's a second album. She's an Australian musician. And it is an incredible record. So, yeah, if anyone's looking for, like, newer music. And that only came out Friday. Um, The song on that is called uh, Letting Go was one of the singles. And the first time I heard that, it was like, oh, it makes me want to, like, I live right near the beach. It's like, I made me want to go down the beach and just like run around in circles and jump off the rocks. And then I, and I saw the video and that's exactly what she's doing in the video. She's spinning, <laughs> spinning around on the beach. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Wow. It's, um, it, a wicked record. Yeah. Really, really good. So there's, they're my honourable mention. There we go. Well, fellas, can you um, email me your song picks um, yeah. and then I'll, uh, I'll put together a little Spotify playlist so people can go and listen to everything that we've uh, we've been chatting about. That would be lovely. Shu won't put Shu won't put loose change on there, but because uh, he hates oh, it, you have to find out yourself. <laughs> well, you talk about putting songs on repeat. You have to do your own playlist, Chris, and just have loose change <laughs> like twenty five <laughs> times. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly. just do it that way. But guys, it's always a pleasure. I fucking love hanging mm. out with you two. And yeah, it's thank you so much for joining me today. And um, our pleasure. Yeah, we seem to do it about every six months. So I'll probably see you about sort of March, April next year, probably. Always Are up for it, mate. That, mate. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Nice guys. You Cheers take guys. care. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Was that a real ending or was it like a fake podcast ending?